Well, hello, and I guess welcome to the very first episode of a new podcast I'm going to be trying. And I have to admit, I'm a little nervous about how this is going to go. My name is Carlin Borisenko, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with me, I was a Democrat for 20 years. I was rapidly committed to vote blue no matter who, up until social justice took over my knitting community in like uh, 2018, 2019. And when that happened, I really started to question all of my political beliefs. I challenged myself to push outside of my comfort zone to listen to voices I disagreed with. And this all culminated with me going to a Donald Trump rally on the eve of the New Hampshire primary in February of 2020, believing what everything the media had told me about Trump supporters being crazy, racist, Nazis, horrible people. And I found out that none of that was true. It was all lies. It was all nonsense made up by the media. And basically, I red-pilled very publicly. I wrote an article about my experiences going to the Trump rally. It went massively viral. I was like the conservative darling of the moment. They they got one from uh, someone who... I, I ended up leaving the Democratic Party and I you know, I never became a conservative. Um, I was a Republican for about 15 minutes and it was a, a mistake. That's a different story for another day. Um, but I really became very disillusioned with the left. Um, I took the red pill, as it were. The red pill, if you've never heard that analogy, it's basically from the matrix, which is waking up to the world as it actually is, not what's been presented to you by the media. Now, all that story is important because this is going to be a podcast where I rewatch every episode of The West Wing from a red-pilled perspective. And I'm a little bit scared to get into this because The West Wing is like my favorite TV show of all time. I cannot tell you how many times I have watched The West Wing, how many, how much I, Josh Lyman was my hero. I know he's a fictional character, but he was in fact my hero for like a really long time. And I have not watched a single episode of The West Wing since I took the red pill in February of 2020 and kind of got thrown into this world where I was trying to get Democrats to leave the Democratic Party and wake up and red pill and do all those things. Um, and so I wanted to start this podcast where I basically re-watch every episode of The West Wing, my favorite TV show of all time, with the red pill having been choked down. Because I loved this show when I was a Democrat. I loved everything about this show when I was vote blue no matter who. I truly have no idea how I'm going to perceive this show now. You know, when you take the red pill, when you kind of like wake up, it is pardon my language, but it is an absolute mindfuck. It really screws with you. You start to question everything you knew that was true because in order to come to the conclusion that the media have lied to you, well, they didn't just lie to you about Donald Trump. They didn't just lie to you about who Trump supporters were. They didn't just lie to you about what January 6th was. I know, by the way, I was at the, ca I was at the Capitol on January 6th. I didn't go in the building, but I was actually there. I am one of those crazy people that believe there was shenanigans going on with the election, but probably not the crazy voting machine stuff. Anyway, so like I, I tell you this because like when you take the red pill and you wake up to the world as it really is, you really do have to question absolutely everything that you knew about the world, every story you've ever been told, everything you ever believed was true because 
The media lies to us so, 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 so much every single day. It is all propaganda. And so I'm a little bit afraid in starting this endeavor that I'm going to be watching my favorite TV show of all time with completely new eyes that are going to make me hate it. I truly have no idea what to expect. I look back, you know, I look back at some of the things I I used to watch now. Like I used to have MSNBC on in my house all the time, all day, every day. I didn't watch any news that wasn't MSNBC before I took the red pill. And now I watch MSNBC and I do live reaction streams to it on my YouTube channel sometimes. And it is like pure comedy to me. It is all fiction. It is all theater. And I know that. And I watch it for the pure comedic entertainment value that I find it to be now. It is better than any sitcom on TV. And so I'm really scared that this is absolutely going to ruin my favorite TV show of all time. But I think it's also going to be a fascinating exercise. Listen, I'm going to do these podcasts. Um, my kind of plan is to release one about once a week. But, you know, there's there's a lot of episodes to watch. The West Wing was made when there were still t- like 20 some odd episodes in a single season. There are like seven seasons to get through. I've seen all of them before. I've seen all of them multiple times. But I'm absolutely watching these episodes with a fresh set of eyes now, and I'm going to give you my honest and truthful reaction. So before we jump into the first episode, I just want to say this, you know, people who are not familiar with me or my story might encounter this podcast and you might think she's just a rabid Trump MAGA supporter. No, 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 no. You know, I've actually gone through a couple of red pill processes. I did red pill to the fact that the media and the Democratic Party have lied to me for a really long time. And I do have some anger there. But to be honest, I also went through the same process with the Republican Party and with the conservatives. And, um, you know, they they are they're not that much different than the Democrats and the progressives. I don't see them that differently. I'm currently a libertarian. I'm a member of the Libertarian National Party, the member of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. Oh, by the way, I am from New Hampshire, the home of Josiah Bartlett. I do actually live here and I'm very politically active here, which I think is just kind of funny. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I tell you this because I really do call out the bullshit on both sides. I call out the nonsense on both sides. I don't think that Democrats are that much better or any that much worse than Republicans. I don't think Republicans are that much worse or that much better than Democrats. I think that both the major parties are awful. I think that both the major parties are lying to us. I think all the news media, to include Fox News, to include OAN, to include Newsmax, to include all those things, they all lie to us. All of of us every single day. It's all propaganda. And um, I think what I've learned over my journey uh, in the past couple of years is how to see through a lot of the propaganda. I'm not perfect. Um, but I have learned how to see through a lot of it and I judge both sides to be lacking. And so if you think that you're going to listen to this podcast and it's going to be just a complete like Republican conservative view of this show, that is not true at all. I still have um, many left leaning tendencies. I am pro-choice. I, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I you know, so I, I won't go into all of my positions. I think that we are going to uh, probably get into some of them as I watch this show. But I, I consider myself to be a libertarian, first and foremost. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I will never be a member of either of the two main parties again unless things change extremely dramatically. So I'm not coming from left or right. Um, but I do want to watch the show. And I really hope that taking the red pill hasn't ruined it. And I'm going to try to give you my reaction um, as best and as authentically as I can. So... With that said, let me bring up the show and uh, we can uh, get started here and uh, 
pray for me. Send me your best wishes. And, um, you know, okay, here we go. I'm in the shower. Yeah. Okay. If memory serves, we are about to hear that the president has just fallen off his bicycle. And so I just think that that's ironic because I'm filming this probably about a week after Joe Biden has had a glorious moment where he has fallen off his bicycle. Presidents have passed have fallen off their bicycles. What is it with presidents go like, why do presidents even go for bike rides anymore? Everyone is falling off their bicycles here and there and everywhere. And it just makes them look foolish and stupid. Um, but I think like, you know, I just think it's kind of like it, funny and ironic, like the West Wing. One of the things I loved about the West Wing is it kind of like predicted so many things that have actually come to pass. Now, I know it's several seasons from now. We've got a long way to go until we get there. But I loved so many elements of the uh, Santos campaign in, in in the later seasons in season. I think it's like six and seven when the Santos campaign really gets up and running. If you don't know what that is. Don't worry about it. We'll get there eventually. But essentially, like the Santos campaign, it, it almost it, it predated the Obama presidency. And it really predicted a lot of things that we all saw with the Obama presidency. And it was like, were there prophets that were writing the West Wing? I mean, I just think it's so it, it was such a well-written show. And I just really hope it holds up. But I do think it's funny that the very first episode of the first season essentially starts with the president falling on his bicycle, which is something that Joe Biden did just a few weeks ago. And by the way, like if you're watching this and you're like a Democrat and you don't like understand that Joe Biden has dementia, I don't really know what to tell you. Like I even identified that Joe Biden had dementia when I was still a Democrat, when I was still like vote blue, no matter who I saw Joe Biden speak with all of the other Democrats at an event in New Hampshire um, back in. I want to say it was like September of uh, 2019 or something like that. And he was slurring his words and he wasn't making sense. And even th back then I was like, oh, my God, Joe Biden has dementia. This is a horrible idea. And now he's president. And. I don't think he knows where he is half the time. And he definitely fell off his bicycle like last week. And it was really dumb and it shouldn't have happened. And I kind of feel like we have elder abuse going on right in front of us right now. And I would hope that that, you know, that that wouldn't happen in the idyllic world of the West Wing. Although we are, of course, going to get into season two when we find out the president does have MS and might be incapacitated at times. Oh, gosh, maybe there's so there's so many. OK, I don't want to jump ahead. Let's just keep going. You can have a normal life. You'd be amazed at how normal I can be. See, it's all about budgeting your time. This time, this hour, this is my time. 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. I can work out, as you see. I can think about personal matters. I can meet an interesting man. The trick is... Beeper's going. What? I think your beeper's going. Beepers. Who has beepers? <laughs> the days of yore. I 
I mean, so, okay, so basically what we're seeing now, for those who are watching the audio version, is CJ was just running at the gym at like 5 a.m. and her beeper went off. And now we're looking at Josh Lyman at his desk and and his beeper has just gone off. And it's it, it's it's making me remember that this was in an era before like cell phones were ubiquitous, which is it, it, like the, the news cycle since the West Wing and how people consume their news has completely changed. It is completely changed. Like I, I get most of my, I get my breaking news on Twitter. I have all sorts of accounts set up that follow and track the latest breaking news. So I know what's happening like the second that it happens. Um, and I, I think we just, we don't get our breaking news or at least I don't get my breaking news from the media anymore. I don't wait until the evening news. I, I don't even wait for CNN to air it because it's on Twitter, usually hours before CNN even gets a hold of it. And so how we have how we consume information and how we consume the news has completely changed since the West Wing was filmed. And I think that that's kind of an, a fascinating thing to think about is how would some of the elements of this story uh, play out now, given just how how much things have changed and also like the echo chambers, because if memory serves and again, I have not watched any of these episodes since I red pilled over two years ago. Um if memory serves, there was also like working together and bipartisanship in the West Wing. Not all the time, but sometimes like they tried to find common ground where they could. Um, and I, I, I just don't think that that happens at all today. So it's like we're kind of like looking into a completely different political time. And it makes me wonder where like has politics always been as cutthroat on the inside as it kind of is now where both sides are just digging in their heels and are unwilling to compromise or did, did the uh, did cell phones and, and social media really change everything in terms of how politics operates? I mean, Andrew Breitbart says politics is downstream from culture. And so if the culture changes, the politics are going to change. And I think, you know, maybe one of the things to keep in mind as we, uh, move through this series is that, um, you know, the politics that we're seeing reflected in the West Wing were reflective of the culture at the time. And the culture has completely changed and completely shifted. Yeah, this is Josh Lyman. What's going on? We ask at this time that you turn off all electronic devices, stow your tray table, and return your seat backs to the full and upright position. Came off the line 20 months ago, carries a SIM-5 transponder tracking system. Are you telling me I can still flummox this thing with something I bought at Radio Shack? You can call when we land, sir. You know, one of the things I loved about the West Wing was how smart the people were. How, like, they just knew everything. And one of the things that I loved about, um, I mean, all the characters did this, but, like, Josh Lyman's character specifically, like, Josh Lyman knew everything. He knew every possible detail. And and what he didn't know, he, like, could suss out pretty readily. And I just, like, I, I always wanted to be that person that had access to, like, that much information and that much recall. And, you know, kind of having been so... In in what happened to me after my um, Trump rally article went viral is I got thrown into a world where I did have access to like 
influencers and I was around a lot of, you know, very well-known people and, you know, people and politicians and their staffs and that sort of thing. And, um, it, I, I, okay. I, I, um, I, you know what? There's no beating around the bush. A lot of them are dumb. A lot of them are dumb. They are not like the people in the West wing. They're not at all. And, um, and I, I, that's true on the left and that's true on the right. It's true of the Democrats and it's true of the Republicans. Uh, but here's my question is like, I don't know. I don't know if it was true. Like then have people gotten dumber? I don't think the educational system has helped. Um, I don't think that people, you know, really are required to be smart in order to get these types of jobs nowadays. Um, they're just required to have followings and, and, you know, and knowing the right people. And that's really all it is. And so I guess my question is, um, were people always this dumb in politics or is this like a new event? Because what I experienced being around these people is significantly different than the intelligence that is portrayed on the West Wing. Um, and so I, and again, I, that's true of Democrats and Republicans. It's, it's both sides. It is not exclusively like, cause I know the Democrats listening to this are going to go, well, of course the Republicans are stupid. And the Republicans listening to this are going to go, of course the Democrats are stupid. No, no, no. It's a both sides. Both sides are guilty. Um, but I think that's one of the things that, that was most disappointing to me about red pilling is honestly realizing how stupid the people who run our government are. At every single level. And and let's not even get into the bureaucrats, like the people that are like the the employees that are not elected or aren't staff of elected officials. Like the bureaucrats are some of the dumbest people imaginable. And, um, you know, when I think about the people who are literally steering the ship of this country, listen, even though I left the Democratic Party and I think the Democrats are insane, I would be thrilled beyond measure if the people in the West Wing, the characters of the West Wing, our, our Tobys, our Joshes, our Sams, our Leos, our CJs, even President Bartlett. I would be thrilled beyond measure if those people were running the White House today. Even though they're Democrats and even though I think the Democratic Party is crazy, if these Democrats were in charge, like these good kind of like 90s Democrats, which is like I, I basically like became a Democrat in the 90s because the Republicans were like trying to censor everything. And I viewed them to be like conservative religious nutcases and all that stuff. I would be thrilled if these Democrats existed today. I would be thrilled if these Democrats were running the White House today. It would be light years beyond and better than what is currently there, which is a dementia patient and people who think that the most important thing about anyone is the color of their skin or who they sleep with at night. And I don't think those things are important. I think competency is important. And I think intelligence is important. And I just wish so much the Democrats that existed in the West Wing, I wish they were real. And I wish they were actually in the West Wing today. But sadly, they are not. Also, I never got my peanuts. These people. Do not need these Josh. We need Al Caldwell. We want Al Caldwell. We do not need John Van Dyke. We do not need Mary Marsh. Well, I think there shouldn't be instant replay in football, but that's not my call now. So as I recall, and I think what's going to play out in this episode is that Josh has pissed off the Christian, like, moral majority right. And this is a little ironic because I think that, you know, you people might not realize this if you believe what the media tells you about the Republican Party, but, like, 
when I was really kind of like immersed in the conservative movement and like the MAGA movement in 2020, when I was I was like touring all around the country with the walkaway movement and doing these rallies to try to get people to leave the Democratic Party. So naturally, I was just around a lot of conservatives and people who were supporting Trump. And I think people perceive that Trump supporters and conservatives um were basically like what is being portrayed as like these Christian like conservatives that are very bigoted towards everyone else. And that just wasn't the truth. That wasn't who they were. It was actually a highly inclusive movement. Believe that or not. Um, there are people of all different skin tones, all different sexual orientations, like all different, even genders. Yes. Even like trans people and stuff like that. And it was like, you know, people, people gravitated to Trump, not because of like this moral majority, like Christian conservative stuff, but because he was different and he was kind of like a middle finger to the establishment. And I actually think that, and maybe this is something that, uh, you know, we can kind of think through as this podcast continues. I actually think that there are characters on this show that would be Trump supporters today. Okay, maybe not today with like all the nonsense that he's doing with, you know, continuing on the uh, stolen election stuff. And after January 6th, January 6th is a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. I actually don't think, again, as someone who was at the Capitol on January 6th, not in the building, on the lawn, and I walked around and I saw a lot of what was happening, I actually don't think January 6th is as bad as people thought it was. I just don't. I'm sorry if that pisses people off. But I think, you know, if you're on the outside looking in and you only watch that on the TV and you only watch what the media told you, I could see why that might be a turnoff. But if we if we go back before that, we go back before the election and we look at like what Trump was actually doing. I actually think there would be characters on this show who would have said that Trump was a better choice than Joe Biden, given that Joe Biden's a dementia patient and the Democrats today are much different than the Democratic Party was in the West Wing. However, since the election, this moral majority Christian conservative stuff has started again. It really has. And I identified it really early on after Joe Biden got inaugurated. Um, and, and so, and I've seen, only seen it grow and grow and grow in the last year and, you know, whatever, like six months, year and a half or so since Joe Biden took office. And it is making a comeback. We are, I truly believe we are going to see Christian moral majority part two, like Christian conservatives. And this is not a knock on Christians in general, and it's not a knock on conservatives in general. It is a knock on people who would legislate based on their religious values and try to force everyone to live their values. So the people that Josh pissed off in this episode, I actually think that it's kind of funny that Leo is saying like, you need to work with these people. You need to work with these people. That would never happen today. It would never happen today. There is no one in the Joe Biden White House saying, you need to figure out a way to work with conservatives. That is not happening at all. And so I think, you know, even very early on, seven minutes into like the first episode of the first season, we're already seeing that, this was a different era of what the Democratic Party found acceptable behavior. And I'm one that thinks like people should be seeking compromise. Like if they're acting like adults, like adults need to compromise. I'm filming this um, uh, like a week after uh, Roe v. Wade has been repealed. I am. I have very mixed feelings about it from a state's rights perspective. I think it's probably the correct decision. And as a libertarian, I think power should be returned to the states. However, I think it was one of the most boneheaded political moves that Republicans have ever made ever. I think it's going to really come back to bite them. And I cannot stand people who legislate based on their religion. 
because not everyone practices Christianity. I am not a Christian. I do not practice Christianity. I do not have the same values as Christians. Okay, I have some of the same values, but not because of what it says in their book. And I just think it is wrong to try to force your religious values on other people through legislation that's forcing people to live the way you would. And so, um, you know, so I just, I guess this is a comment on like, that what we're seeing in the West Wing was at a time, and I believe this was like in the late 90s, right? Late 90s-ish. Um, what we're seeing, either late 90s or early 2000s. And what we're seeing is a different time where the chief of staff of the White House was telling his deputy, you have to work with these people. You have to get these people on board. You have to be diplomatic. You have to try to find ways to compromise. That would not happen today. And that is a problem. It was stupid. Damn straight. It was right, though. Like, I don't know that. Is there anything I can say other than the president rode his bicycle into a tree? He hopes never to do it again. Seriously, they're laughing pretty hard. He rode his bicycle into a tree, CJ. What do you want me? The president, while riding a bicycle on his vacation in Jackson Hole, came to a sudden arboreal stop. What do you want from me? A little love, Leo. What do you know about the Cubans? I don't know any more than Josh. Between you know, the- like I said, th- this is this is filmed like a week after Joe Biden fell off his bicycle. And so I think it's just a little ironic that um, that CJ is like freaking out as the press secretary over over how to spin the fact that the president fell off his bicycle and rode it into a tree. And what this tells us is that the media was concerned with nonsense then, too. Like someone falling off a bicycle is nonsense. It is not news. People fall off bicycles all the time. If this is what the media is focused on, that means they are fundamentally not doing their actual jobs as journalists, which they haven't done in a long time anyway. But if like you're focused on the fact that someone fell off a bike, that is not news. That is like that is a sidebar at best. That is like a tweet. That is that is not even that's not even like a journalist tweet. That's like a trolley tweet saying, ha ha, look how stupid they are. And the fact that CJ is freaking out over how she's going to spin the fact that he fell off a bike. It really shows us that maybe journalism hasn't actually changed that much since this was filmed. They were focused on nonsense then, and they're still focused on it now. The president's not going to fire Josh Lyman. He doesn't have a choice. I had drinks with Sam Seaborn last night. You know, they're talking about how the president doesn't have a choice to make a very specific staffing change because Josh said something that upset the conservative Christian right. And I just, you know, this was the pre-Trump era. This is like, this is a time when someone could do next to nothing and be in danger of getting fired. And yes, I do believe that pissing off the conservative Christian right, who are not a, wasn't, weren't a political power then, and they're certainly not a political power now. Like, I do believe that pissing them off is like immaterial and doesn't even matter. And, and, you know, think about how far we've come since someone almost got, well, in a, in a fictional world that is the West Wing, Josh almost got fired for pissing off the conservative Christians when like Trump, Trump's tweets like pissed off everyone every single day like people people from like it on the white house staff were pissing off everyone every single day and it's like we live in just a completely different time where the standards of acceptable behavior in politics have completely shifted to juvenile and don't get me wrong I think there is great and momentous entertainment value in all of this. But remember, I'm a libertarian. I really don't care if the government crashes and burns. Okay, it'd be a little bit inconvenient. But ultimately, I actually think it would make our life better 
if the government crashed and burned because they're so incompetent. They're so inept. They screw everything up. And it's like, so for me, the entertainment value of watching them like in, in just like a constant state of insanity is, is, you know, it makes me laugh from a practical perspective, maybe not, you know, the greatest thing in the world. I guess I'm just commenting though on how the, how the needle has moved in terms of like acceptable things to say in public. I can tell you that you don't believe in any God that I pray to, Mr. Lyman, not any God that I pray to. Lady, the God you pray to is too busy being indicted for tax fraud. That's you know, that was it. That was all Josh did. And now they're talking about getting like firing him over. I mean, come on, like essentially telling the truth that that sometimes like people who are the most overt conservative Christians actually do really bad things. And like, that was all that he did. He pointed out the hypocrisy of the conservative Christian right. And by the way, that hypocrisy still absolutely exists today. They are some of the like, okay, I'm not making a comment on all Christians because there are obviously wonderful Christians out there. This is not a comment on Christianity as a whole. This is not a comment on all Christians as a whole. However, there is a segment of conservative Christians that are horrible, vile people that do not act like I believe Jesus would want them to act in any way, shape or form. And so they are, a lot of them are hypocrites. They absolutely are. They like 100%. And so I see Josh, like in this episode, saying something that points out Christian hypocrisy. And even as someone who left the left, I'm like, yeah, like absolutely point it out, man, because it, it really hasn't actually changed all that much. And again, I just have to comment on like, what Josh just did on this show would not remotely come close to any universe of getting him fired today. In fact, lifted up all over the liberal media, like CNN would have him on. He'd be reliving this moment again and again. He'd be, he'd be taught. He would be talking about her on, on like meet the press and MSNBC and Rachel Maddow and all of this stuff. Like he would be lauded as a hero now on the left and by the media for telling a conservative Christian off on the air. And so to watch this episode where like Josh literally almost lost his job in a Democrat run White House for saying something that was against his political enemies, like he almost lost his job for that because like they wanted to be able to work with these people and try to get them on board with their plans. It is a completely different reality than what we live in today completely josh's job would have been secure josh probably would have got a pay raise if he'd done that today i'm in charge of the message around here it's my job to tell the president that the best thing he can do from a pr standpoint is to show you the door you know it's funny because when i was a democrat i always thought that democrats didn't um didn't didn't go strong enough against republicans i i thought that they like let republicans walk all over them i thought that they sat back and were passive and were too too compromised Aaron, and it just it just let the republicans like have whatever they wanted and i kind of wonder if that show was if, if this show was an influence in that because looking at the situation now Oh my God. And maybe, maybe it was different then. I don't know. But like, um, looking at the situation now, Republicans are the biggest cowards and the biggest pansies that have ever existed in politics ever. The most that Republicans do 
is they they give up and they give a speech or they send a fiery tweet or they put a video on Twitter. They don't actually do anything of substance to um to to uh, deliver to their voters what they say they're going to do. Like maybe once in a blue moon, but usually not. And I view Democrats today as much stronger, much more aggressive. And what we just saw with Toby basically giving the conservative Christians, like throwing them a bone and say, we're going to do a Sunday morning radio address on family values, which, by the way, Democrats would never do that today. Democrats actively attack the traditional family all the time. If you looked at the earlier versions of the Black Lives Matter website, not the one that's up now, but the one that was up in like 2020 after George Floyd died, they were directly attacking the nuclear family on their website and no one noticed. Like the the left attacks the traditional family unit all the time. And while I don't think that I think there are many ways to be a family and I don't necessarily think that the traditional family union is the only way to do it. The fact of the matter is, is that Democrats don't put value or stock in this at all anymore. So what what's going on right now would never happen today. There would never. And in fact, I'd be curious to like, does Joe Biden even do these Sunday addresses? Do these Sunday addresses still even happen? Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure like they used to. I, I'm pretty sure Obama used to do like a weekly address of some sort. I wonder if that's even happening now. I would be surprised if it was like. And here's my other question, too. Like, have Democrats released any sort of statements or support for like family values now? Like since Biden took office? If you know the answer to that, leave a comment. I don't know the answer off the top of my head, but I would be really, really surprised if that was true. But I guess the the biggest point I want to make here is like you have like the White House communications director, the White House chief of staff, like capitulating to the conservative Christian right in this episode when like and, and throwing them a bone and saying, we're going to talk about family values. We're going to talk about things that you want to hear about. That would never happen today. It would never happen today. We live in a completely different time. Come to the meeting. Be nice. Keep your job. 30-second hypothetical. You're Lloyd Russell, newly crowned prince of the white suburban woman, the upper middle class black man, the teachers union. You're no friend of the sitting president. What do you do? Put together an exploratory committee. Who do you get to run it? You. I already got a job. For the moment. Who do you get? Well, if I could get Mandy to leave $900,000 a year at Lennox Chase, I'd get Mandy. You'd be smart. Hey, come to think of it, you think she'd be interested in his job? You're in luck. Chantel? Just got here today. What's she doing? Working for Lloyd Russell. So I just want to say a couple of things. A, I hated the character of Mandy. I thought she was dumb. And I, I'm really glad that she only lasted one season. And I'm glad that we won't have to suffer that character for that long. Because what I saw her do on the show was not remotely in any way worth $900,000 a year. Um, but that's just like a character thing. I just want to say more broadly, <coughs> I just want to say more broadly that, you know, they're talking about, you know, getting basically being challenged by a member of their own party for re-election almost like more than uh, two years out from when the election was going to happen. And I think that, again, this was like what, like the, this was like the late 90s, like early 2000s. Um, I live in New Hampshire, and I'll tell you that candidates do show up that early. But what is a little bit surprising is being challenged by a member of your own party. And I think that um, 
that might be something. I mean, conceivably, like, listen, we really don't know if Joe Biden is going to run for re-election. I don't think that that is a responsible thing to do. Kamala Harris has announced that, yeah, he's probably going to run and they'd be running mates again. And, you know, then she came out and said, yes, he's definitely going to run. But to be honest, Joe Biden has still got a couple of years in front of him. And dementia is, um, well, it is what it is. And um, I would not be surprised if if uh, there were internal challengers in the Democratic Party. And to be quite frank, like, who do they even have? Like, the people that could be the front runners work for Biden. So you got like Pete Buttigieg. I guess you could probably say Kamala could challenge him. That'd be a little weird. She's the sitting vice president. She also got exactly zero electoral votes um, when she was running for president herself. So I don't think that's going to be the best idea in the world. I mean, maybe Hillary Clinton could challenge. To be really honest, I would... After... Okay... I was not red pilled during 2016. I cried when Trump got elected, okay? Like, but I would love to see Hillary Trump part two. I would pay money to see Hillary Trump part two. Hillary, please challenge Biden. Please do it. I just think from, again, from sheer entertainment value, I think that that is, would be absolutely fabulous. I just thought he was gay. No, you didn't. I did. He's not gay. You sure? Very sure. Always seemed effeminate to me. He happens to be very athletic. Plenty masculine. I think he's a woman. Josh, take me seriously. I do. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. I just want to point out that one single line would never happen today where Mandy's talking about her masculine senator boyfriend and Josh says, I think he's a woman. That would never happen happen today a because it distinguishes between the two genders which democrats really don't like to acknowledge that there are men and there are women and listen i'm not like i'm not one of those people that's like i'm not going to use your pronouns and all that crap i don't really care i don't care if you're trans i don't even care if you're non-binary if if you have are a reasonable person and i don't think you're trying to exert force or power over me to to like make a political point I'll, I'll pretty much use like your pronouns and stuff i don't really care but like democrats today like we we literally like just today actually katanji brown jackson got sworn in as the newest justice uh for the supreme court and in her confirmation hearings she could not answer the question what is a woman so what josh just said in terms of like saying that he thinks lloyd russell is a woman Today's Democrats literally cannot answer the question, what is a woman? And there is no TV show that would ever be produced that would have that one specific line in it. Isn't that funny? Please let this be a national emergency. Can we just talk for a second? So what, what's what's going to happen is Sam is going to give a tour for Leo's daughter's fourth grade class in which he's going to think his Leo's daughter is in the class, but she's not. She's the teacher of the class. And can we just talk for a second about how the fact that like the, the daughter of the White House chief of staff would not in any reality be like a public school teacher ever in the history of ever. That would not happen today at all. That is completely unrealistic. Cashmere Escorts. Hi, you page me? Who's this? This is MC Warren. I'm sorry, there's been a mistake. Who's this? Cashmere Escorts. Okie doke. Page me. Where are you going? I'm standing right here. Page me and punch in my number.
you switched pages with someone. A woman's about to call me. She's not going to know why I put her through. Hello? Hello? You page me? Lori. Who's this? It's Sam. Hi. Sam Seaborn. Yeah, you called me. Yeah, uh, actually, you called me, and that's because uh, you have my pager. And I have yours. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so Sam has just discovered that he slept with a prostitute the previous night. And of course, this is a story that's going to play out over like several seasons. But I just want to point out that he's going to be freaking out that people are going to find out that he slept with a prostitute. And now we live in a reality where Trump actually, well, depending on who I guess you speak to, but I believe he did it. Trump slept with a porn star when his wife was pregnant and has probably had all sorts of other affairs as well and literally got elected president after he had a tape release that said like women let that let him grab them by the you know what and it's like it's like the 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 fundamental values of the democratic party and quite frankly the republican party have completely shifted since this now i'm not necessarily going to say that i agree or disagree i don't really care i don't care if people sleep with prostitutes i'm a libertarian i believe that sex work should be legal i think that whatever you do with your body as long as everyone is consenting and like no one gets hurt well like not really hurt but like you know whatever uh, like i think it's all fine i don't really care but i just think like the value shift that we've seen on both sides where like Democrats today would probably if, if okay if Sam Seaborn was working in the White House today and he discovered that he accidentally slept with a prostitute I really don't think that this would be any big deal in the Democratic Party today and like the Republicans who elected Trump after he did he had you know Trump did scandalous stuff I'm sorry like Donald Trump I don't think he's like a racist or like a Nazi or any of those things, but you know he was having affairs. You know he was sleeping with people outside of his marriage and the Republicans elected him anyway. So even though I do think there is this like very Christian conservative, like moral majority thing happening on the right where I do think it's gaining more power than it really should have. And they're doing, they're talking about like banning porn. There's like a whole subculture. Like if you're on the left, you don't know this. Like there's like a whole subculture of like ultra like, alt-right groiper types that are completely committed to like banning porn and instilling like traditional family value like really really like really trad con people where they're like all about women belong in the home and men are the caretakers and all this stuff and it's like to imagine that these are the people that elected donald trump with all of his escapades and sleeping with pro or sleeping with porn stars when his wife is pregnant and all that stuff. And like they didn't care about that at all. And on the Democrat side, like they wouldn't bat an eyelash if one of them, if a White House staffer slept with a prostitute today. It wouldn't even it'd barely be a news story. We also spent eight months traveling around the country discouraging young women from having abortions. Oh, hang on. He never said anything. He does not. Oh wow. Oh wow. Did you just hear what Leo said? That President Bartlett, the Democrat president, traveled around the country for eight months discouraging women from having abortions. That would never happen today. It would never happen. And look, I actually love that. Like, I am pro-choice. I am pro-choice with limits. I think, like, I actually have pretty strong limits, too. I'm, like, first trimester with exceptions for, like, rape, incest, life of the mother, all, all like, the typical stuff. And so I actually have, like, 
you know, I, I think that's actually a pretty reasonable compromise. But like Democrats today have flown off the handle with regards to abortion. I'm sorry. Like it is gone. It has gone way too far. And they're talking about like celebrating these late term abortions, even talking about like post birth abortion. Like there are women that have had multiple abortions. Some like there, there are women that like go to the, some of these abortion rallies where like they've had a dozen abortions and they're using it as birth control. And they're like, yeah, abortion. Like, and they're proud of it. There are women that like, they wear like earrings and jewelry of like dead babies to celebrate their abortion. I think all that is gross and disgusting. And as part of the reason to be quite frank, that this Roe v. Wade thing happened because Democrats got so extreme on the left that the right really just like backlashed against them with everything they have. And I think the right is completely unreasonable about abortion too. Like you've got Christy Nome in South Dakota who is saying like no abortion at all for any reason, not even for like the exceptions for like rape, incest and all that stuff. And like now she's going after contraceptives too. And it's like, dude, can we just find some balance here? But I guess what I'm, what I'm commenting on is, um, is the fact that like, Leo, the chief of staff, is saying that the pre- the Democrat president went around the country discouraging women from having abortions. That would never happen in today's Democratic Party. He would be vilified today in today's Democratic Party if if he even attempted to say anything negative about abortion at all. And I think that's a shame. I really think like the, the, the Democrats just went way too far on this issue. And although I am pro-choice and I do understand why women would have abortions, I think this culture of celebrating abortions, of being unapologetic about abortions, is just like it's too far and it loses humanity. And I do wonder how I wonder how President Bartlett would feel about today's Democrat abortion culture where it's just like not just it's not something that is safe, legal and rare anymore. It's something that they are celebrating and using as birth control. And I just don't think that's appropriate. Government's place to legislate this issue, but that's never stopped him from playing his role as a moral leader. And I'm not inclined at this moment to make your life easier. Mr. O'Brien, I understand your feelings, but please believe me when I tell you that I'm a nice guy having a bad day. I just found out the Times is publishing a poll that says a considerable portion of Americans feel that the White House has lost energy and focus, a perception that's not likely to be altered by the video footage of the president riding his bicycle into a tree. As we speak, the Coast Guard are fishing Cubans out of the Atlantic Ocean while the governor of Florida wants to blockade the port of Miami. Can you imagine a reality in which the biggest concern that exists in the Joe Biden White House today would be that the New York Times published a poll that says the White House has lost energy and focus. Like, we live in a reality where we have, like, record-breaking inflation. Gas prices are ridiculous. You can't even find, like, baby formula and, like, normal products on the shelves. And it's like, I I, I sincerely hope they are worried about far better things than whether or not people perceive they have energy and focus. I would also, quite frankly, be perturbed if there was a poll that existed that says that the White House does have energy and focus based on like the Biden White House today, not based on this. So I just think like the the fact that he's saying I had a really bad day. And the first thing he mentions is the New York Times published a poll that says we've lost energy and focus. And he looks down at the ground as though he's like really sad about that. I'm like, oh, my God, like the Joe Biden White House today would kill kill 
for that to be the result. And also, by the way, polling is so ridiculous. Like you can't even trust any of the polls and you certainly can't trust the New York Times, which the New York Times today is basically like the propaganda arm of the Democratic Party. And I I, I wonder, like, was it the back then? I don't know the answer to this. Like when you red pill, you have to unpack so many different things and so many different things that like you thought were true. Whereas like today, I strongly doubt even if the New York Times ran a poll and got results saying that that the White House has lost energy and focus, they would never publish that or they would publish it with spin to make it seem like a good thing. I don't know. I just like the it's it just like it was a simpler time. The West Wing was a simpler time. Just let me say that when I spoke on the program yesterday, I was not speaking for the president or this administration. That's important to know. Second, please allow me to apologize. My remarks were glib and insulting. I was going for the cheap laugh. And anybody willing to step up and debate ideas deserves better than a political punchline. Mary, I apologize. Good then. Let's deal. <clears throat> I'm sorry? What do we get? For what? Insulting millions of Americans. Well, like Josh, this is like this is portraying Republicans exactly how I perceived Republicans when I was a Democrat. Like Josh has done what no Democrat today would ever do, by the way, which is to apologize for being a douche on television. That would that apology would never happen today. And then Republicans go come right back or like how they're being portrayed on the show is like, OK, well, you were wrong. We were right. What do we get? How do we how do we get compensated for this? Which is exactly how. I perceived Republicans when I was a Democrat. And it is absolutely true that there are 100% Republicans that are like that. But like in, in most circumstances, what people need to understand is like, again, if you if you like the, the Republicans today would never do that. Republicans are so weak. They don't ask for anything they want. They certainly wouldn't stand up for themselves like that. Maybe some of them would. I can't say that of all Republicans, but like most Repu like it would be the roles would be completely reversed today, I think. Maybe not completely because I don't think the Republicans would apologize to the Democrats either because no one's apologizing to anyone. But it's just it's amazing to me how um how like we're already kind of setting up this dynamic on the West Wing where like Democrat like they're portraying the Democrats as like the calm and level headed ones that want to compromise and it's all about the country and doing the right thing and Republicans are going to be continually portrayed I think I mean I don't know I'm guessing as like these like the evil empire sort of stuff very cold very dehumanized they don't care about people it's only the Democrats who care about people it's not the Republicans who care about people. And I think that like Republicans do care about people, but they care about it in different ways. And I do think that some of them care more than others. I heard what Josh said, Toby. What do we get? An apology. Sunday morning radio address, public morals, school prayer or pornography. Take your pick. School prayer or pornography. It's on every street corner. I've seen it. Mary. Condoms in the schools. What? Condoms in the schools. Well, that's a problem. What? We have a certain general who says they dramatically reduce the risk of teen pregnancy and AIDS. So does abstinence. So the average American teenage male a condom in his mind will turn to thoughts of lust. So the average American teenage male a lug wrench in his mind will turn. So school prayer, pornography, condoms, what's going to be? We're not prepared to make any sort of a deal right now. Sure we are. M Mary, I my read of the landscape is that you're cleaning out your desk before the end of business today, so I'd just as soon negotiate with Toby if it's all the same to you. Mary. Please allow me to work. 
It was only a matter of time with you, Josh. Yeah. That New York sense of humor was just a little bit. Reverend, no please, need... they think they're so much smarter. They think it's smart talk, but nobody else does. I'm actually from Connecticut, but that's neither here nor there. The, the, the point is, Mary, I she meant Jewish. That was definitely anti-Semitic. I'm sorry. It was okay. It was an off the cuff remark, but that was like, that was definitely bad. And, you know, I think like, so I've been to CPAC twice since I read pilled. I went in 2020 and 2021. I didn't go last year or this past year. And I don't think I'll go again. Um, I don't plan to anyway. Um, but, um, you know, what I will say is like, that that's not who Republicans are. Republicans are not anti-Semitic. Conservatives are not anti anti-Semitic. Actually, like the, the CPAC has a very real presence in Israel. They're very supportive of Israel. Um, and there was like I actually went to like this amazing Shabbat dinner at CPAC. Like we hung out with all the Jews. They had really great food, a great dance, and great time. And so I don't, I don't, in, I don't um perceive Republicans and conservatives to be quite. Even the Christians, even the Christians, like, I don't perceive them to be um, as anti-Semitic as was just portrayed on this show. And I think maybe that was um, a little bit unfair. And on the flip side, like Democrats hate Israel. Democrats, Democrats are actually, I perceive to be more anti-Semitic a lot of times than um, Republicans. I'm speaking as a collective. I'm not speaking about individuals. I'm not saying that all Democrats are anti-Semitic. I'm not saying all Republicans aren't anti-Semitic. There are absolutely... This is 100% true. There are absolutely um, a significant number of people on the alt-right, which not all Republicans and conservatives are alt-right. Most of them are not. But there is absolutely a significant number of people that are that are legitimate alt-right that use the word Jew as an insult. Um, that, and they actually mean it. Um, there's actually a, a faction of people online that say I'm not white because they call me a Jew because I push back on the overtly racist and anti-Semitic nonsense. And um, so like there there is actually definitely that element on the right. But to be honest, I've actually seen Democrats and progressives say things that are just as anti-Semitic as I see the alt-right saying. It's like they're two sides of the same coin. It's horseshoe theory. You have the extreme parts of the left and the extreme parts of the right. They're so similar to each other and they're definitely both anti-Semitic in their own way. Um, but average Republicans are not as anti-Semitic as what was just portrayed. May I ask you a question, sir? Of course. If our children can buy pornography on any street corner for $5, isn't that too high a price to pay for free speech? No. Oh, good answer. Good answer. Because there are actually elements of the conservative right, and they tend to be more alt-right that are like trying to ban pornography and are really adamant that we should ban pornography. Now, of course, that's never going to happen. The Supreme Court has already ruled that this is a free speech issue. But I absolutely like agree. Like, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to say that pornography is the right thing for everyone. I think everything in moderation. I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing either. But the fact of the matter is, it's like once you start banning that, it's a slippery slope down to banning other things. And who gets to, to, to uh, decide what's pornographic and what's not? If you start banning porn, pretty soon you're going to be banning art. And, you know, it just goes from there. So this is actually one of the moments that I really loved about this show. I'm a First Amendment absolutist. And I love that in the very first episode of the very first season, when asked, like, you know, isn't isn't pornography being on every street corner too high a price to pay for free speech? And Jeb Bartlett did not. He did not hesitate. He did not stutter. He said no. And he's about to say, but five dollars is too high a price to pay for pornography. Really? On the other hand, I do think that five dollars is too high a price to pay for pornography. See, 
my granddaughter Annie had given an interview in one of those teen magazines and somewhere between movie stars and makeup tips, she talked about her feelings on a woman's right to choose. Now, Annie, all of 12, has always been precocious, but she's got a good head on her shoulders and I like it when she uses it. So I couldn't understand it when her mother called me in tears yesterday. I said, Elizabeth, what's wrong? She said, it's Annie. Now, I love my family. And I've read my Bible from cover to cover, so I want you to tell me, from what part of Holy Scripture do you suppose the lambs of God drew their divine inspiration when they sent my 12-year-old granddaughter a Raggedy Ann doll with a knife stuck through its throat? That is absolutely something that would happen today. I 100% believe that. Listen, I've been canceled by both the left and the right. I've actually been canceled significantly more by the conservative right than I have the left. And, you know, there's a difference in cancellation that happens. The, the left goes after your money and they try to prevent you from having any sort of life as long as you're speaking out against them. But the right go after you personally. Almost, I, I'm pretty sure, I, I'm not positive about this, but I'm pretty sure that every death threat I've ever received has been from the right. Every single one. And so it, it is absolutely something that a fringe alt-right group would do to send a child a doll with a knife stuck through it to make the point that she's not allowed to talk about their favorite issue of abortion and express her opinions on it. That is absolutely something that would happen. Now, I'm not suggesting that all conservatives would do that. They're even in, in the West Wing, they're even portraying it as this is a fringe extremist group. And that is the truth. These are fringe and these are extremists. But... I also think it's probably like not just the most extreme people that would do that today. Like I said, I've gotten death threats on multiple occasions and I'm pretty sure they all came from the right. And I don't think they're coming from fringe extremist groups. I think they're coming from people that are flexing their muscle and are angry and are lashing out because they're pissed off over whatever. But I guess I just want to say that like I absolutely that is absolutely a believable thing. I, I do think that something like that would happen today. Naval intelligence reports approximately 1,200 Cubans left Havana this morning. Approximately 700 turned back due to severe weather. Some 350 are missing and presumed dead. 137 have been taken into custody in Miami and are seeking asylum. With the clothes on their back, they came through a storm. And the ones that didn't die want a better life than they wanted here. Talk about impressive. My point is this. Breaks over. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. you know, I think... Um... I know that open borders are one of the Republicans' key issues, and they have a lot of problems with what's going on at the Mexican border. And I understand why. And I don't necessarily—I don't believe in open borders. Um, I think that I think that I, I do think that the immigration system needs to be dramatically reformed. Um, I think that citizenship should be much easier to attain. I think there should be a path for citizenship um, for people here. I'm, I'm married to an immigrant. I spent four years fighting in the immigration system to make sure that he had a green card and you know wasn't going to be deported after we got married. Um, so I, I am very um, sympathetic to uh, to like how bad the immigration system is and um, and all that. But I will say this, too. It's like when you like it, stories like this just tug at my heartstrings because it's like you have a place like Cuba where the quality of life there, I think I'm, I'm not sure, but I haven't heard good things from people who have relatives in Cuba that are like in my community. And if people are willing to risk everything and risk their lives to get here, for something better. I mean, 
it it seems like a shame to me for Republicans to go so hard line like that. I think that they would go today and would want those people to be immediately deported and sent back. And I just think that, um, well, I don't think the borders should be completely open. I think there needs to be like a compromise between the two things. And I just, I maybe it just pulls at my heartstrings. Maybe, maybe I, you know, it's the, the, this country was built by, by immigrants. This country was built by people who took voyages like that. And I just feel like when people are willing to risk that much and sacrifice that much, it is almost, it is, it, 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 I, I think that they should be given a chance to pursue that. I just do. And so that might not be the line that I think a lot of like people on the right would like because they're very, um, panicky over what's going on at the southern border and i understand that too i don't know i don't think that completely open borders are good but i just think that there is a balance to be had between open borders and deport all people who come here um through like less than um less than uh, uh less than the the normal procedural means All right, so that is the end of season one, episode one, uh, the pilot of The West Wing. I feel a little bit better now because, you know, there was nothing really wrong about that show. I actually, it was very kind of like almost nostalgic for me to watch the show, um, given where I am now and given the shift. And it's like, like I said, I think during the episode, it's a sim- it was a simpler time. The show, the show is a simpler reality it's like it was a reality before everyone had a cell phone in their pocket and and had instant access to whatever was going on in the world it was a reality in which you know social media wasn't destroying our lives yet and it made me it's kind of like i think like when um people look back at the 50s and they're like oh that was so idyllic and that was so much better like even just watching the first episode of the west wing made me look back and be like can't like can't politics just be like that now can't that be what it's like? That would be um, that would be pretty amazing. I think if that was the case now. So um, I hope you enjoyed this. Please leave a comment and let me know what you think. Again, I'm going to be watching every single episode of The West Wing. We have just gotten started. Season one, episode one. We've got like over probably what like 150 fucking episodes to go. Oh, sorry, I probably shouldn't have swore then. Whatever. Um, but like 150 episodes or so. That sounds about right. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that. We've got a long way to go, but I hope you enjoyed this first one. And I'm going to be uploading these to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Dr. Carlin Borisenko. Um, I will also be uploading audio versions to the major podcasting platforms, and I'm going to be uploading an unedited version. So the, the version that you're watching now, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on a podcast platform, that's going to be an edited version because especially with YouTube, I don't want to get a copyright strike or anything like that. Um, but I will be uploading an unedited version to my locals community for the supporters in my locals community. So if you would like to join and get access to exclusive content and also all sorts of perks, you get private Zoom calls, you get access to my supporter-only Discord, head over to kb.locals.com support. You can sign up. Um, to become a monthly member or an annual member, and that will get you access to the exclusive locals only unedited version of the podcast. Um, if you want to watch uh, the whole thing and see kind of like my reactions in real time, it will be on video. Um, so head over there and you can upload that. But please subscribe on whatever platform you're watching on. 
please give it a positive review if you enjoyed it. Um, I will be trying to do this probably on a weekly cadence um, for the foreseeable future. And we're just going to see how it goes. Um, this is a little experiment. I've never done anything like this before. And, um, you know, but I, I, I think if this episode is any indication that I have, I have kind of high hopes about the way this is going to go. Maybe I'll be even a little frustrated the fact that, um, that politics isn't like this anymore. And like I said, I am not a member of either party. I'm not really taking a side. I think both sides are crazy. But if the Democrats that were portrayed in the first episode of the West Wing were actually running the White House today, I would be pretty happy with that. Um, because what's running the White House today is a dementia patient. All right, guys, that's all I have. We'll see you next time. Take care. We'll see you soon.